Hi, we're the Fantasy Joes. I'm at Roto Librarian, Ryan Livergood. Joining me as always from the Pillow Palace in beautiful Minneapolis, Minnesota, it's Will the Thrill Greenwood. Let's go. Will, how are you? Has the rookie fever um gone down did you take some advil or something to get this thing under control it's been an interesting world interesting world interesting world uh i moved in a 14 team full ppr with like a little bit tight end premium i moved Minshew for the 112 and i love that back on that i still think Minshew has a massive amount of upside that we're not fully realizing as a dynasty community as far as he can be the starter i don't know why he can't be the starter there longer term he wasn't bad. He, you know, he, he progresses in year two from year one. I still really like Gardner Minshew, but I moved him for the, the 112 Ryan and got my first share, besides the team that we co-own, of Jalen Rager. That's the reason I did it. Yeah, Jalen Rager. No, it's a great move because, you know, I mean, could Gardner Minshew turn into something? Could he be the starter in Jacksonville the next several years? I guess it's possible but I, I think at the end of the day, though, you're you're just number one. You're if you like mention you're investing in the in kind of a fun story because it's a fun story, and then and then you're investing in a guy that was taken in the sixth round of the NFL draft. And you wonder who else was Ryan? You wonder who else was? Uh, who else? Tom Brady. Yeah, I, th- I think Tom was it sixth round. I thought it was like seventh round for Tom Brady. It's it doesn't matter. Six. It was super late. I know there are outliers, and maybe Minshew will be one. I guess we'll find out. They got him some weapons, and it, it'll it'll be fun. But the, the parallels are all there. They both rock awesome mustaches. <laughs> um, but it, no, I, I think that's wise. And and just like the same thing with Drew Locke. I, I mean, I just don't believe in Drew Locke. We, we've talked about him before on the show. He I hate really, Drew Locke because I can't trade for him. That's the only reason. Yeah, but you you also you kind of wanted to invest in him just because it's kind of fun. But you you have also pointed out that. It's not like, you know, people kind of remember that game against Houston where he threw for 309 yards, three touchdowns, um, and they, they kind of block out his horrible performance when he played at Kansas City the next week. Um, didn't look particularly great against a, a pretty bad Detroit team. Um, same, same with the Raiders. You know, he didn't impress there. You know, 177 well, they, yards, one touchdown. It's, I don't they know. They added a higher points per game scorer in Jeff Driscoll behind him. So, so that goes. Yeah, and, and Driscoll's probably a guy that if you've got space, maybe pick him up because maybe um, Drew Locke doesn't make it. It's like in the Super Lux League anyway. Maybe Drew Locke doesn't make it through the year. And, may, and maybe – I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Um, I, I got out of Drew Locke my, my one share that I had just because I thought now's the time to buy. I mean, they could still bring someone in. It's probably unlikely, but I, I don't know. I just I just don't buy it. I just, I just don't buy the Drew Locke hype. So. Yeah, and our, our good friend Corey, I think, he, I think it was Corey or was it – you but somebody said there was like an expert out there that was in a super flex league they said they took drew lock in the third round of a, of a startup and i was like oh i just don't know i just don't don't feel like that i feel like third round is you're you're paying for all the upside versus he'll be at max a third round pick next year right like he's not gonna ascend i mean i guess it could be an outlier and he could really ascend but i don't know above third round we're really that, pushing it that is Man, I, I have some serious problems with that, whoever that was, because in a startup in particular, like the third round, like you want to get those early picks right in a startup. And you're, you, no matter what, you're rolling the dice on Drew Lock. I guarantee there's somebody there that's a better pick, that's safer, that's going to be a great producer for your team. It, this just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't, I don't get that. But, yeah, but he, I mean, but we could look at uh, Drew Locke, and they're not they're not size comparable and things like that. But like as a Dak Prescott type of character, Drew Locke has legs. He's athletic. He doesn't have the most accurate arm, and neither is Dak Prescott. But now they're surrounded with weapons, and he could be in an offense that's producing. Their defense may be a little bit better, but they they you know they've moved around pieces here or there. And the word on the street is that the Denver defense is going to be really good. I think that's from. Uh, some some people like the football guys think that Denver's defense is going to keep them in games at least, but that offense is going to that could offense with what they're surrounding with could really roll. And but again, that it kind of puts like next year will Drew Locke be over that third round pick? I just can't I can't convince myself that even with a good season, 
with 4,000 passing yards and 28 touchdowns that he's going to be in that, that third round range. I, and I could be wrong. It could be miss uh, I could be underestimating this, but I just don't, that bump up to me is you're, you're, you're buying at peak value uh, for next year versus acquiring him next year at even that third round price. You didn't have to take that risk. So which Q, which QB was he off the board? I mean, where, where, where did that place him third round? Was he the... I have no idea. Yeah, because I'm just thinking that there are... I mean, just off the top of my head, I could easily name a dozen QBs I would take ahead of him, and there's probably several more than that. You know, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's just a, it's a weird, um, um, you know, investment. For yeah, like, do you think you could trade, like, Aaron Rodgers for Drew Locke right now? Yeah, I, I, I think you could. I mean, I, or, or rather, can you trade Drew Lock for Aaron Rodgers is what you mean, right? Yeah, that, that type of move. <laughs> people are pretty low on Aaron Rodgers, and I get it. Man, I people sentiment. Man, people hate Aaron Rodgers. I mean, uh, it seems like – Including his own team and management. <laughs> That's true. Um, but but it'll, be, it'll be interesting. Um, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a guy that – we, you know, people are kind of dogging on. He's still was a, I mean, he just sneaked in. He was a QB one last year. And, and I think that green Bay, one thing I want to say about them is I, I don't think their defense is going to be as good. I, I think they're going to have to throw the ball more. So I, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a better year than he did. Yeah. Not, not that I think he's necessarily going to be this, you know, top five, you know, quarterback, but I, I think he'll, he'll, you know, Q, QB eight or nine is, is a probably a good place for him to, if I had to project it out. Yeah. And, and speaking of defenses too, Keep in mind that the Vikings lost all three starting cornerbacks. That defense has the potential to be bad. So Kirk Cousins so, yeah. could be a great fantasy option. Yeah, it could be. That's a good point. And that's along with like a Justin Jefferson thing is if he gets integrated and you can't expect like the first few weeks with what everything's going on, whatever that, but again, a guy who can accrue value because of a narrative that the defense is going to be worse. Although the quarterback, the cornerbacks didn't play well last year in Minnesota. So I, the refresh is probably never a good thing in this, you know, area and vicinity, but that's a little bit of boost. So Ryan, speaking about like Drew Locke and athleticism and Dak Prescott and athleticism, one guy in rookie drafts that I've been finding, I've been getting pretty late in Superflex, and I've been really stoked about it. And almost probably too stoked because I'm getting him. And that's important because when you make your own draft pick and you feel like you got a really good value, you definitely internally overrate that player every time. And I'm of course you do. subject to that, you know, cause we're people, we're the Joes. We like to do this is, Jake Fromm. So he's probably going to be the direct backup to Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen is a running quarterback and he gets hit. He gets banged up. He risks his body all the time. So I could see Jake Fromm being an easy spot starter in 2020, uh, moving into 2021. And it, it not like him, ha- you have like a cuff for a running back that's off injured. Yeah, I, I like I like that that narrative that you're putting out there because I, I think Jake Fromm is going to be one of those guys that's going to be in the league for a long time. I, I think that it, it, does he have this special you know arm? No, but I, I think he makes good decisions, and I, I think I think I like that. I think I think that's a good good observation. Where where are you getting him in these these superflex drafts? I mean, you're like fourth round, fifth round, fourth round. Yeah, and like even like in a twelve team league, fourth round, scoop him up. Even late third. He, you know, he uh, offers potentially more upside in that type of league. If, and especially you know your league and you know how they, the the premium is placed on starting quarterbacks. <clears throat> but if if we have another year like last year with the way quarterbacks were going down and the changeover was happening, that kind of player can net you maybe a, maybe a second round pick, maybe a, maybe a package that with your second for a first round pick the next year. He has the ability to accrue value quickly in my mind, and in that round, that's really what you want, right? Like. We're not looking for long-term starters in the fourth round. Yeah, no, fourth round, you're just you're you're throwing darts, and and why not throw a dart at, at Jake Fromm? I I think that I I'm not really targeted him or, or looked for him, but I I do think that's a that's a good observation. Oh, I've, Me, been, I've been eating him up like Cheerios breakfast. But he's definitely not sexy, you know. Um, uh, that that's for sure, and that's probably why he's there. It's it's not like he's going to, you know, ascend to be this, you know you know, elite QB in the league. I don't, I don't think anyways, but yeah, I think for where you're getting him for what you're paying, I think, I think he could, he's a guy that could be helpful, useful to your team. It's just such a good Yeah. It's easy scoop and score. That's what I'd put it. And Ryan, which brings me to another rookie that I'd like to talk about. And this is another, this has been another one of our chats. Uh, 
where are you where are you sitting right now on Antonio Gibson? And pop quiz for twenty five Greenwood bucks, uh, which Ooh. are you can redeem for spreadsheets from Greenwood Analytics. Yeah, baby. They are potentially unfinished or from a year ago, but they're still being worked on, and they don't really offer the best. Like it's really hard to make conclusive decisions because I'm not the best at that, but they exist. There's a lot of work that was put into them. So, oh boy. For 25 Greenwood bucks, how many carries did Antonio Gibson have in his last year at Memphis? Not very many. Was it like 20 or something like that? That's not a guess, Ryan. You go with 20? <laughs> Just 20 or? Maybe I'll go with 23. 33 carries. Oh, darn it. I knew it was low, but. I'm pretty sure Chris McCaffrey had at least 33 touches in his bowl game against the Iowa Hawkeyes <laughs> in his sophomore year. So to compare those two is – I get that they, you know, they say they can find the potential of Chris McCaffrey. He is not good enough as a running back to step into that role and maybe morph into it. He is an overly athletic guy that I have no faith in whatsoever, and I do not trust his upside. But I, I get why it's there. But he's one guy, Ryan, that I haven't wrapped my head around as far as dynasty community that I am lower on. And I just – I don't want to move for him. I don't want to pay. I don't want to pay for him. If I, have a, if I have to stick and pick in a draft and he's there, I'm fine with it. But I'm not excited. Yeah, I, I am pretty excited about him. I mean, where I'm getting him because it's usually in a super flex league – Oh, we're, we're talking like the third round someplace for him. And I know there's, I know in this, this rookie class, there are a lot of intriguing guys, uh, but what, what I, what I've said in one of our league chats, I said this the other day, you know, there's like a 90, 95% chance he busts, but I think if he, if he hits, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty great. Um, uh, you know, he's certainly not going to be Christian McCaffrey, but he could be like a Kalen Balaj. Remember Kalen Balaj? you know, he was a big dude, fast dude, I know there are some differences between the, the profiles, but, you know, a really athletic guy, but, but just, you know, di- didn't, didn't have an NFL. And I, I just don't think we know what, what we have within, with Gibson. I, I know we know he's super athletic, but also those, those numbers he put up in a small sample size that was in that, um, you know, American, is it the American conference that, that Memphis plays in? So it, it wasn't like he was playing power five competition week in and week out. So, I think he's intriguing. I mean, he's got the draft capital. He's got the athleticism. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very much a boom bust pick, but at that, at that point, the rookie drafts will where, where you have to take them, you know, I, 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 they're all dirt throws anyway. So why might as well go for upside is, is my opinion. Yeah. Would you rather have like a Brian Edwards or in, like Antonio Gibson? I've, I've been faced with that decision um, a couple of times and um, once I went Gibson, once I went Edwards, uh, it, you know, it depended like one league was like full point PPR, uh, PPR, the other league was half point PPR. And you know, the, those kind of decisions come into play. Edwards though, is a guy I have to say that I am lower on than, and one of the things I want to talk to you about tonight, Will is guys were higher on and lower on than the rest of the dynasty community or, or just people in general that play dynasty because, Edwards, people are really hyping him up. Like everyone's excited about Edwards. In the league chat, it's like, oh, I got, I got Brian Edwards. I'm so excited. He's, you know, maybe the wide receiver one in Las Vegas. We'll see. But here's the thing with Brian Edwards. He, he ha- has not the best injury history in the world. He's coming off a foot injury. So I, I just don't think – I think what's going to happen with Brian Edwards is I don't think he's going to do a lot in 2020 because of COVID-19, because he's coming back from a foot injury. There are a lot of wide receivers there in Las Vegas. He has to beat out. Say so about Tyrell Williams, but he's still a pretty good wide receiver. You, you got the um, – why can I not think of the guy, the, the, the little dude from, from Clemson that won the national championship? The um, uh, You know, what's, what's that guy's name? The little dude. Come on, help me out. <laughs> Hunter yeah. Renfro. Thank you. Renfro's there. Um, you, you've got Nelson Aguilar there, okay? I, I mean, say about Aguilar, but there's a lot of competition for a guy Brian that's coming Edwards up to catch all of Nelson Aguilar's drops. Well, this is true. This is like true. Aguilar tips in the air, Brian Edwards comes down with it. I, I just think Edwards is one of those guys that, like, I don't necessarily – I'd rather take Gibson there and, and be wrong on him, and then a year from now I can probably pick up Edwards in a trade because he's going to be an afterthought. He's going to be like a, a Andy Isabella type guy that it's like we were excited about, but we should have seen it coming, the things were going to work for, out for him in the, the upcoming 
you know, season. So that's my opinion on, on Edwards. So I've been going Gibson, but I did go Edwards in one, one case. I, I do like Edwards. I just feel like the hype is a little bit out of control with him. Well, he's the, he's a quintessential prospect, like analytically speaking, can't miss prospect, right? For the most part, his potential to be a productive wider student in the NFL based on his college production early on, which is a big part of that. And if the South Carolina didn't have a great passing offense is high. Uh, it's, he, I, I think yeah. he's going to be a good poster child for this, for this winning or failing uh, one way or the other. Cause if, if he does hit all, every, all the analytics people are going to just, they're going to take off their pants and not wear them for weeks uh, out of excitement. It's, it's going to be crazy. I think he has a lot more downside, but you're also, you're not, you're not paying like overly high draft capital for him. And I do think that, I, I feel like he should have come out last year too. And it, it, again, it's that worry of coming back to that senior season and getting banged up. You could see on the field too. South Carolina's, you know, their quarterbacks are just bad. They're, they were, they were just bad. But what that also means is you cannot expect, I feel like immediate production from him. It's like, it's hard for players in the NFL who come from very poor and from college to the NFL who come from very poor quarterback play to translate immediately to NFL production. The ball comes off with more zip. It comes faster. The plays happen a lot faster. It takes them a little bit longer to get up to speed, and that's okay. It's okay for that to be the case. But players who have played with more, even like backup NFL you know, level prospects who were decent in college, transition faster in the NFL. So there's going to be a, a little growing pain period with, with Edwards. And I, I, Ryan, I, I, the reason I asked that too is I would take Edwards over Gibson because I think he offers in his position – he could, I could see him solidify himself as a nice wide receiver too versus Gibson. I just really don't have that, that dice roll to me is such a lower probability. And that, that hit rate of him becoming anything special is just, just astronomical. Like I, I, I'd rather, I, I, you know me, I like, I like to take the the upside plays uh, and roll the dice, but with this one, I, I would go Brian Edwards. Yeah, and for me, that's why I say it's league specific because the the this week two different rookie drafts. One of them um, is a league where it's it's you know half point PPR and a smaller roster size. So I, I think that the nice thing with Gibson too is that if you you take him in the third round and he doesn't work out, if we see what, what happens in Washington this year, he doesn't play out, then I can drop him off my roster. I don't have to carry him, and I can just you know add someone else off the waiver wire. Whereas I feel with Edwards, you've got to be willing to hold him on your roster. So Edwards, I drafted him on like a, like a deeper roster that, that I can hold and invest in him for a while because I don't expect him to do a lot in uh, 2020. So I, I, think some, like the, I think those guys are super close for me. And I just looked at the different situations, league scoring and, and you know, roster size and, okay, how long do I want to hold these guys? And that, that made the decision for me in both those situations. So I, I do like Edwards a lot, but I, I, I just don't think I like him as much as so many other people. Cause I, I think there's some people that really um, are just going after him and they, they have high expectations and they may be disappointed at least in 2020. Yeah. What about then like a, uh, like a Chenault versus Gibson? I, I go Chenault there. I mean, I, I think that they're, I think they both have really high upsides, but I think the, um, Chanel has a much greater chance of hitting than Gibson. I, I think if you take Gibson over Chanel, I, I, I think you, you may really regret that uh, decision. So Chanel's really interesting. I, I, I just think he, he's, he's a very exciting player. Yes. He's got the injury history, um, but, but he could be a real dynamic dynasty asset for you. So. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Chanel. Big fan, big fan. Yeah, no, he, he's in, and there's so many guys. Will like uh, you look at the like the second round, even getting into the third round of these, uh, you know, super flex rookie drafts. There's just so many intriguing guys that are just you know, um, they, they could really be special in, in the NFL. So, okay, so Ryan, I'm gonna pivot here. Pivot. Okay. To an older guy, a guy who's had hype around him his entire career, and I've also had him on the show sheet for like a month. And I haven't gotten the ability to talk to him <laughs> okay. uh, or had the opportunity. Uh, I want to talk about John Brown because we haven't talked about John Brown yet, have we? I don't think we've talked about John Brown for a long That's time. Right. That's right. Well, John, so, John Brown is in a crowded situation there in Buffalo. He just is, you know, Diggs oh, is coming it's in. Not crowded. It's good. It's good for John Brown and what he nope. does. He's not you meant think? to be the alpha dog all the time. 
So one, weeks one through 16, full PPR, uh, you know, again, like no bonuses built in. Overall finish, he finishes wide receiver 16. Uh, he finishes wide receiver 23 in points per game. Again, with Antonio Brown taken out of there, but with 15.27 points per game. So when compared with like running back scoring uh, in a similar league, again, full PPR, no bonuses, uh, he would have finished his RB20 last year. So just ahead of Melvin Gordon and Joe Mixon in this, in a points per game scenario, uh, overall with 15.27. Uh, it was his first year in Buffalo, right, with, with Josh Allen working with them. And I think he has potential for improvement moving into year two. But he's a short-term buy because he will be turning 30 this year. And I think Diggs, a player like Diggs, is like a player like Beasley in the sense of I, I think that those guys complement each other versus hurting each other. He's not going to get – he's not going to be the target hog. He's not going to be more than what he was last year. But at a decent, like, value, I mean, I think I picked him up in, like, what, like a 15th, 17th round of, of, a, of a startup where there's a lot more into that. But when we're getting into the, into the higher hundreds of picks, if you can scoop up John Brown, he could be a startable asset for you if for at least a year. And if he's producing at a point where it's just keeping your team going, I think John Brown could be a great scoop and score. What, what are you paying for John Brown though? Because he, point of information, he actually did turn 30 in April. So he is 30 okay, years so old. So he's 30 years now. Um, he, he is also one of those things. I've, what makes me nervous, and this hasn't been an issue so far, but he also has sickle cell. Um, so I always keep that in the back of my mind because I, I worry that that's going to rear its ugly head and um, he's going to miss some games because of sickle cell. But I, I, that hasn't been a major concern in his career, so probably probably a non-issue, but no one ever talks about it. Um, uh, so I, I guess it's to me it's all about price, Will, because I, I, I mean I, I think you don't have to pay a lot for him, but – then I might want to acquire him, but he's, he's older Buffalo Stefan Diggs has joined that, that situation. I, I just don't, I just don't want to pay a lot for him. So what are you, what are you paying for him? Do you see him just as like a roster clogger? Like I'm, I'm just thinking like Kinda, you're, pack, you're yeah. packaging, uh, you're, you're basically moving like a, you know, uh, like a three Oh one rookie pick in Superflex. So a, a 2020 301 for, yeah. for John Brown. I mean, I guess if my team is a uh, like Antonio Gibson or John Brown, I think Gibson. I, I just don't see Brown as a difference maker. I don't see Brown as a guy that's going to put my team over the top. I, I mean, I, I feel like I can, you know, play the waiver wire and get like a, a Pascal, you know, one week to to put the same kinds of those kind of numbers. I mean, he had a very nice twenty nineteen. I, yeah, I just he's wide receiver sixteen in total points. I think I think when you look at PPR, it was 20, wide receiver twenty three, but. But yeah, but he, no, he did it. I mean, yeah, he had you know, 115 targets. Um, it was one through 16. Um, uh, no, I'm looking at the thing that drives you crazy, doesn't it? You, you, just have to, <laughs> you, just have to, you just have to trust that the stats I'm giving you have actually looked at I, I, and, and believe in the words that I'm saying. You just told me the Greenwood about. Analytics, your spreadsheets have issues. You told us that. I didn't say they had issues. Come on. I just said that I struggle with coming up with hard takes from them. The spreadsheets are clean, man. They're clean. Um, it's really that's one thing for everybody looking out there like and, and who does this kind of stuff it's really difficult to come with up with hard fast opinions or not even opinions but like that you're going to be massively different than the market on different players after you do hours and hours of research it's actually bothered me quite a bit ryan with the whole process that we've done is that i do all this and and it, it you know comes up as is i have all this data and i just am not good enough at forming a great opinion from it to really like hammer down the nail and saying this is going to happen. So what I, what I want to go along with that is, uh, so the wide receiver 16 in total points, we've gone through 16 in, in PPR with no bonuses. That should matter, right? That's yeah. pretty, that's a pretty high production. And yeah, so no, it, it is it's good not going to matter for your team. I, I just call BS. Like you know, it, having a guy on your bench is going to matter, but if you are struggling at wide receiver or if your depth isn't that great, and you need that kind of plug-and-play piece, John Brown could be a great play right into there. He's just not exciting. I get it. He's not, he's not exciting to have anymore. And I wrote this before he turned 30, which shows you how old <laughs> this is. This is bad. That's true. I uh, said he was going to turn 30, but that, well, I mean. 
Well, I think one of the, the things, well, where we, we don't come out, I mean, sometimes we'll have shows where we'll have these like hot, bold, spicy takes. We've done a couple of shows like that where we're just kind of putting things out there. But I think at the end of the day, we certainly acknowledge um, and a lot of other other people that are doing this as well, that that we're going to be wrong a lot of the time. Even even the the very best fantasy football analyst is, is you know, going to get a lot of things wrong. Maybe, maybe they write 60% of the time, 65% of the time, the, the, the very best. So I, I think I think just to come out here and say, John Brown is going to be a wide receiver one. I mean, that, that would just be, you're just, you're just trying to put a hot. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that he's going to be more startable on your team than Nicole Hartman. I don't know about that. I, I really don't the know. Beginning about that. We got, I, I, I would bet easily that John Brown outscores, outscores Hardman. Ooh, do we, I think we're going to have a, we're going to have a bet. Yeah. Let's we're going go to right? go to the grab bag of shame, which a lot, a lot of our, our newer listeners have no idea what it is, but we used to do this, um, which we've never really established a grab bag of shame. It's <laughs> so well, a bet. So it was initially, this is a fun throwback. It was initially going to be that we put just a bunch of uh, individual shots, you know, like the really like terrible liquors in a bag. Or like maybe something would be like a little hot, like a demo hot sauce thing. And you had to reach your hand in this bag. And whatever you pulled out, you had to take. So you could get, uh, you know, like let's say like an easy one would be, I mean, it's like college but like like Jaeger is a relatively easy liquor to take. Or you could get like Nikolai Gin, which tastes like straight pine needles <laughs> or something like that. Like that was kind of the fun part of it. Uh, it never came to, or like, you know, let's say you got like the fireball shot. Like fireball is fireball. But it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily taste like pine needles and throw up like Nikolai Gin does. Uh, yeah, so let's anyway, just, well, we, we can do that. We can do that. Yeah, let's do a shot of fireball on this. That that sounds good. I, I that's uh, I'll pay up with a shot of fireball. Um, yeah, no. So it's John and, Brown right, versus right, right, right. Weeks one through sixteen. Weeks one through sixteen. Are we doing full point PPR or half point? Full point. Full point. Okay. Hardman versus John Brown. The twenty twenty season. Put it on the board. Are you writing this down, or do you want me to put it in a sh- show sheet? Uh, better put it in the show sheet, but, but I am writing Ooh. it down. I'm we should make some more here. bets tonight, Ryan. Well, if they na- if they organically happen, fine. If if we're just kind of we're forcing the issue, it's 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 not going to work. It's not going to work. So, uh, you know, because I I just think with with Hardman, I I I'm just not buying Sammy Watkins there in Kansas City, and I I think that he is going to emerge a little bit. I, I mean, if I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you know, for, for the, I, I know he didn't have a lot of targets, but um, the receptions, I think his reception to touchdown ratio has to be tops in the league. I mean, he, he basically just had some huge plays. I think Kansas city will get more involved in the offense. And, and I think that, that Hardman, not, not that I think that Hardman is going to be this wide receiver one or anything, but I think he will outscore John Brown in 2020. I feel pretty good about that. Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I I think that's a good one, though. I think that's like those are the kind of areas that you have to live in because John Brown's future is is short, right? It's not not this like long-term thing. I would easily take McCall Hardman over John Brown in the startup draft. I'd rather have McCall Hardman on my team. But I think when you look back and you're like, what players can I start if I struggle? Like you have a Mike Evans, Odell Beckham stack on your team. Both those guys could go down very easily. Mike Evans has actually been banged up, but but not injury prone for the most part throughout his career. Uh, but like both, you know, something like that where like now you have a quick plug and play receiver um, with a guy like John Brown. Anyway, I think he's a fun. He's actually a guy that I'm, I think I'm going to try to scoop scoop a bit more. I think he's going to be he's as cheap as he's ever been. If not, oh, yeah. well, I guess maybe like two years ago, it might have been cheaper. Like when he first came to the Bills. But anyway. Uh, less attention with having digs there potentially. So now we've seen uh, the non top cornerback coverage uh, that offense you have to think has to get a little bit more creative with Dawson Knox coming to the second year who flashes a rookie. Uh, I, I think I'm more bullish on the, the whole bills offense overall. Yeah. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Josh Allen this year and that bills offense for, for sure. Um, well, you mean Jake Fromm and that Bills offense? <laughs> maybe, maybe you know I do. Maybe uh, I do. You know, he made him call Harmon a second round pick. That Jake, did I say Josh Fromm? Jake Fromm, anyway. Uh, yeah, he did, but that's what you came here for. Everybody was uh, Bills offense takes. <laughs> oh, 
Ryan, what's it? Who's the guy that you've been mulling over? That, that I've been mulling over. So guys that I like more than or um, less or less than consensus. I think that a guy that I like more than consensus. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there because it's kind of like a funny one. Talk about guys that are not gonna make a difference for your fantasy team. Oh my goodness! Um, no, I just want to ask you. About this. <laughs> Since you brought up John Brown, that we're gonna Adam go, Sheen. We're gonna go lower. Well, cl- you're close with Adam Sheen. I was gonna bring up Jimmy Graham because, and the reason <laughs> I bring up Jimmy Graham is that like he is like he's worthless right now. He is like worthless. I've seen people drop him in dynasty leagues. Um, just like he, he's just like he's he's not worth having on your roster. I think that Jimmy Graham is going to be very important for that Bears offense. And, and not that I think that he's going to um, even be like a tight end one. But I think if, if you have one of those teams where you are kind of like not streaming tight end, but you're kind of like, okay, do I want to play Jack Doyle this week? Or do I want to play um, Greg Olson this week? You know, Jimmy Graham might be a good guy to add to that rotation because I think in certain matchups, I think he's going to do really well. I think he's going to perform better than he did. Um, Uh, you know, last year that he did in green Bay. So uh, Jimmy Graham is just a guy that once again, uh, you know, not, you know, you, you want, you have to give up like a fourth round pick to get him, maybe Um, low cost. But I I think he's a guy that could, could be useful for your team. So I I just want to throw that out there because, because Jimmy Graham, no one, he's just been like put in the trash heap. Um, But I, and he's not, he's not the old Jimmy Graham, but I think he could still play and produce, especially for that Bears offense, who they need, you know, a tight end to perform for them. So that's my, that's my guy I just want to throw out there. I, he was also one of my guys last year, you might recall, and that didn't work oh, out. Oh, man. So. Oh, Ryan. The excitement of Jimmy Graham. At least John Brown performed as a two <laughs> in his category. <laughs> hey, uh, Jimmy Graham was a tight end too last year. So This cracks me up. So <laughs> just, pull it up, just pull it up, you know, fantasypoints.com. Again, another really just a fun free resource to look at projections. And again – really smart guys that run this. So I, I think that they've put a lot of work into these projections, very similar, like, you know, like the footballers do with their, their draft kit and send people out. They currently have Jimmy Graham at tight end 36. Uh, and we're talking like, you know, maybe 15 points between 36 and, you know, like 24. So, you know, there's not, not like a massive gap between these guys. So it's a few touchdowns, but it's just funny. Like players above Jimmy Graham in projections, Nick Boyle. CJ Uzoma. See, I think that's wrong, though. Jer- Jer- Nick Jer- Boyle. Do you want to do a? Do you want to do a bet on Nick Boyle versus Jimmy Graham? I do, I do. I do not. I do not <laughs> want to do that. Uh, Jer- Jeremy Sprinkle. <laughs> I mean, that's they're wrong. I mean, that's that's what I mean. It's that's that's bogus. It's it's just bogus. And not not that once again. I'm not saying he should be like top ten or anything. But I, I mean, okay, right, right. I think I found a good fit here, though. Who they have projected lower than Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham versus Jason Witten. I'll take I'll take Jason Witten. I, I'm I'm looking on on Fantasy Pros right now to see where, um, where the um, or I'll even reach a little bit deeper, cause there's another sleeper here, Ryan, and a sleeper with upside, uh, to the nines, might I add. Uh, his name is Max Williams. Ooh, okay. So Max, I actually need to pick up Max Williams in more leagues, uh, and I've been meaning to do so, and I'm glad we're talking about it. So, Ryan, this is a huge, 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 huge narrative street because he did not produce any fantasy points last year. But okay, let's hear it. The last four games of the 2019 season, and again, uh, not uh, this isn't like like super happy go lucky. This is super deep. This is super. This is like you have a spot that you don't know what to do with on your team. Uh, so one, Max Williams was a first-round pick, remember, for the Ravens back in the day. He is only 26 years old as of right now, which is insane, right? That he's been, he's been in the, year, the league five years, 26 years old. Uh, the last four games of the season, 53%, 66%, 65%, and 60% of snaps for the Arizona Cardinals. He is still on the team. I think he's, he's going to be the starter coming in the next year. And give me the spot start tight end on that offense that's still evolving who can play like 60% of the snaps moving into 2020. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting name. I, I mean, I just threw out Jimmy Graham, so I can't knock it too much. Right. Um, 
He's younger, more athletic, and higher draft capital. Yeah, but the air raid offense that they run, do they do they typically, you know, utilize the tight end position? I think that's the knock on a tight end in Arizona is that yeah. you're not going to get the production because the, they just in that offense they're not going to use the tight end position. It's a it's a free it's a free play though, on a place where do we know what that air raid offense exactly looks like yet? No, no, you don't. I mean, and you're talking about a guy that you don't even have to like, like um, not that Jimmy Graham is going to be on too many rosters, but he's, he, he probably is on a roster in a dynasty league. Whereas Max Williams is, is, is free. <laughs> you can get him for, for nothing. He's just a roster spot. So. Um, and I've been clinging by the, the furthest edge of whatever longest nail I have on my body to Jimmy Graham, Ryan. So I want him to be better, but I'd be willing to bet that Max Williams outscores Jimmy Graham. No, I'll definitely bet that. Of course. You're you're willing to make that bet? Yeah. All right. Sweet. Easy money. Mm Mm-mm. Well, Jimmy Graham's also a much bigger injury risk. He could he could be out week one, and then oh, Max Williams (laughs) has been injured like every year of his career. That's why he's he's, never been anything. Like, yeah, he's he's younger though. So twenty six. That's like a breakout it. age. I think that's the year. That's how old George Kittle was when he came into the league. So, hey, since we're on the tight end position, um, I want to ask you about a couple of guys that I I, I want to get your take on that are getting some hype. Um, and I'm not talking about like the the top end guys. I mean, I'm, I, we, I guess we could talk about Gronk if you wanted to. If like you know where where his his value is kind of uh, emerged again. But just a couple of guys I want to ask you about. Um, <laughs> yeah, emerged from nothing to something. Well, first of all, on the higher end of things, Tyler Hybe or Higby. Tyler Hybe. <laughs> yeah, I say Tyler Hybe because people are high on 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 Higby. I like it. I like it. I like so, it. So Tyler Hybe, people are high on him. Tyler Higby. What do you think about him? Because you know, you heard that the the narrative about. I, I think there are a couple a couple. I'm definitely lower on him than a lot of other people for a couple of different reasons. Number one, um, I'm not convinced that. If there is a tight end that's the tight end to own in, in Los Angeles, it's it's not Gerald Everett. Um, and number two, I th- I don't necessarily think they're going to use um, you know that that two tight end formation that that they were people are talking about them using. I I think they might get back to more of a spread it out offense, utilize their wide receivers. Um, I, I just I I'm just I just have some hesitation with with him and I think you know his value because I mean he's like considered a, a tight end one I mean maybe like a lower end tight end one but yeah people are kind of locked into that and I just don't know if I buy it and I think it comes with reason too Ryan so again last five games of the season last year when they really switched to that kind of what it would 12 personnel offense uh one he played basically 90 percent snap share on average uh, and his targets week 13 through 17 went 8 11 14 11 12 so averaging double-digit targets the last five weeks of the year, and he just had a monstrous, monstrous end of the season. So if you believe that that kind of uh, momentum rolls into 2020, I get why he's up there because in standard last year he was tied in nine, and in PPR he was tied in eight as his finish when you like week one through 17, which whatever we should throw 17 out the window, but I don't have that in front of me. Sorry for all those Greenwood Analytics fans. Uh, he just had such a great end of the season that that's what we're riding on. And we're assuming things are going to be the same, which I think is the safest assumption, right? For the most part. So I, I, I get it. I get where they're coming from. And then they get rid of Brandon cooks and they add uh, what's his face from Florida in the, in the second round. I don't think he's going to take targets away from that, especially yeah. in year one. Oh yeah. Van Jefferson's so, uh, 2021 yeah, Van play. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think most wide receivers this year are going to be more of a later 2020 2021 play including a lot of like rookie running backs i think we're overestimating what they're going to do in their first year in the nfl uh at this moment although we're I, i'm buying the hype like for future years but again so that so like higby I, I get where this comes from because also he was a scoop and score for your fantasy championships which you get such and if you lost to him you think about that if you had him on your team you think about that and that all translates into what everybody's doing that's what they're looking at for these projections moving in the future i i, I you know, he's 27 now. I don't know when his birthday is. He's going to be 28. Uh, I do like him more than Gerald Everett. Like, like apples to apples, I'm taking Higby every time at this point uh, because of that. Like, that that production right there is more than Gerald Everett's done his entire career, I feel like. Uh, and so I, I do like him. 
I have a really hard time. I will never pay for him though. You know, like if I picked him up at the waiver wire, I like having him and maybe as a movable piece. But again, he's one of those guys you're just stuck with. So I, at the end of the day, Ryan, where I come out on him is uh, I'm fine if I have him. I'm not trying to acquire him, uh, but I feel stuck in the mud. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've got him a couple of places, and I, a guy I picked up of, of waivers. Uh, you know, he he was out there in Snyder's leagues on waivers, and some shower shower shallow. I can't say it. Shower leagues. I can't say it. Um, you know, two. If you yeah, week seventeen was against Arizona. He had a big week, but it was against Arizona. Week thirteen was also against Arizona. So Arizona was bad against tight ends to everybody. Um, but you know, he put up good numbers against Seattle, Dallas, San Francisco. So. Yeah, the, the, that last five-week stretch, man. I mean, he put up over 500 receiving yards in that stretch. Like, that's yeah. insane. Yeah, it is, it is insane. That's more than Jimmy Graham put up in the last two years combined. Yeah, yeah, average double just a target. You know, that's, that's, that's wild. It, it's, just, it's a pretty intense shift, and, and it's fun. Right, but, but basically we're looking at that one stretch, which happened in the fantasy playoffs, and we're, we're betting on that. And I, I don't know if that's really wise. You know, we, we've seen players um, have these nice stretches of games and not do it again. So – um so right so right a guy like tyler higby or hayden hurst um i i i'd go with with um higby in that in that situation i I mean i have optimism for hayden hurst in atlanta this year but i i you know i think that's that's pretty easy for me um it's not that's not really much of a question no Um, no no but i but i i but i i do like hayden hurst i i think but i i think that's one of those things that we're optimistic that he's going to go to atlanta and kind of um, take over the Austin Hooper role and, and, and put up those types of numbers. But I just, uh, you know, I'll believe it when it, we, we see it. Two tight ends I want to ask you about that are, that are getting some buzz are, you know, Eric Ebron going back to the well with Eric Ebron ending up in Pittsburgh. There, there is a, you know, a potentially a good situation there. And then Blake Jarwin in Dallas. I, I hear a lot of people talk about Blake Jarwin and obviously these are like lower tier guys compared to uh, Tyler Hybee, but um, these guys are getting are a little you bit high. To Higby yet, or are you going to stay with Hybe? But it's Hybe because people are high on him. He's Hybe because of, because of the because because his high value. So yeah, it's like a nickname. It's it's. Well, Blake uh, <laughs> Blake Murder Hornet Jarwin <laughs> against Tyler. Hyde. No, I'm not. I'm not as high on Jarwin as a lot of people are. I, I it's just it's going to be an underutilized position. For what you're going to pay versus production, you're not going to ever be comfortable starting him. I could see multiple, multiple weeks you being stoked to start Hybe and, and not right. Darwin. Um, and then with, with Ebron, Ryan, what concerns me with Ebron is uh, Roethlisberger doesn't have a lot of patience for guys who drop the ball. And I, I could see him just being phased out pretty quickly by Roethlisberger. If he, Ebron's always had bad hands, always. He had what? He had like a game with like three touchdowns. He just had like a couple of like really big boom games in a season with Andrew Luck, uh, like two years ago, right? And it just, yeah. it just isn't. I like. I want. I want to be higher on Ebron than what I am, but I don't. I just don't really like. It. I. I mean, even the, the, if if it's a passing play, Ebron's not like known for his blocking ability that I know of, at least. So if it's a passing play. They have enough wide receiver depth on that team where you don't need Ebron out there. He doesn't offer this kind of like movable chess piece to benefit the offense. And then when he drops his third pass of the game at some point in time, or maybe even like he, he drops a, a pass in a critical moment, Roethlisberger's going to throw it to him anymore. He's just going to be, he's too old for that. Yeah. Another guy I'm super excited about either, um, but, but he is getting some hype. So I wanted to ask, I guess we should get away from the tight ends because um, people want us to talk about running backs, wide receivers, maybe quarterbacks if we're talking super flex, which we always are. So, Will, do you have any any running backs or wide receivers that you're higher on than consensus? I mean, I know we, we talked about John Brown. We already got him out of the way. But <laughs> any – John Brown. Yeah. Any of these guys that you're, you're particularly excited about? Well, so I was thinking about it, like, so 32 teams, right? So you should have 32 starting running backs that you want on your roster. Is there any team that you're particularly avoiding or things like that? And one, one team that I really struggle with, Ryan, is the when I, I joked about it uh, on the, the Patreon podcast, is I have a really hard time getting excited about any particular Seattle Seahawks running back moving into 2020. 
Like I've seen Chris Carson moved for like a late first in a rookie draft. Not a big fan of that. I don't see his, his upside and what he's done, but we also should value what his past production has. And I think I like, I remember last year I was, I was telling everybody like, why would you draft Chris Carson? Like Rashad Payne is going to take it over. It's going to happen at some point. And you kind of saw it. You start just, you start just, start just, uh, you started to see a blip in that. And then Penny went down. So Chris Carson is a guy that I think I'm going to be lower on again, coming to this season. And I'm, Again, I just might be missing the boat. I think as a dynasty asset, though, you you have to be because you know he's he's basically not under contract after this year. Um, he is coming back; will be coming back from injury. So, so yeah, you mm-hmm. might miss the boat, but that's one of those things, right? Like if last year, you know, you traded Chris Carson for like a late first round pick, and you missed on that first round pick, and Carson went on to have a great year in 2019, and he has a great year in 2020, which is possible. Yeah, you you may be regretting uh, selling him because you know even though we think about dynasty as this game that we play and we draft these guys within a roster for ten years, a lot of times it's it's you know these short windows for your dynasty teams, right? You got like a two three year window, and Chris Carson's a guy that can help in that situation. But but I'm as a dynasty asset, yeah, I I, I think even betting on him to help you in in twenty twenty is is uh, is a bit risky, I think. Yeah, I, so I just have concerns about that. And when it comes to redraft, I'll probably end up with zero Chris Carson and potentially regarding it in the first few weeks of the year when he's the you know the starter and taking the majority of snaps. That's that's what you want in that offense if they're going to run you know if they're still going to try to jam the, the ball down people's throats. And it, another one goes back to to rookie talk, Ryan, and a guy that I've been just just waffling on this whole off season uh, is is like the Keyshawn Vaughn going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's, I have the hardest time deciding where I want him in a, in a rookie draft. And cause I think that, you know, the, Bruce Arians track record with running backs. I mean, I really don't know much more and haven't do, like, don't like really, really jumped into it more than like another third round pick was David Johnson. And they're not the same player or athlete by any means, but they did spend a third round draft pick on a team that has a lot of needs on a guy that I, you got to assume they like, and they, they chose him because they thought it was a fit with the offense, and that was already established what they have. So I want to like Keyshawn Vaughn more than I do. Yeah, and I think the Keyshawn Vaughn talk, I, I, I do feel like it's – well, I mean, there are people that love him, people that hate him, but I feel like the haters, it's gone a little bit far. Because, um, I, I, you know, people like it's it's crazy to take him at the end of the first round, and maybe it is this year because of the the great – um, you know, wide receivers with, with high draft pedigree you're skipping on if you, if you take Keyshawn Vaughn. But I, I, I do think that he, he's going to have a productive 2020. And, and the Ronald Jones truthers, man, they, they just got to give it up. I mean, it's very clear that Tampa doesn't believe in Ronald Jones. We, we know he has his issues. We know he's bad um, in, in pass protection. And, and Keyshawn Vaughn's going to be on the field in those situations. So I, I just – it's it's like that's that's the thing, that's something that drives me nuts about this conversation is the people that are like, well, Ronald Jones was better in college and he's this better player and blah 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 blah. Yeah, he might have been better in college, but guess what? This is the NFL. He's had two years in NFL. <laughs> he sucked in the NFL. I don't care. I don't care what numbers he put up last year. Yeah, he had some spurts, but man, as you know, so did some other guys that that are not worth their salt. You know, so I, I just yeah, I I just think that the, at the end of the day. Keyshawn Vaughn has gone to a great situation in Tampa. I know we don't want to overinflate situation. I, I think he's more talented than people are, are letting on. And, and there's just not a lot of talented competition. He's better than Ronald Jones, period. I don't care what people say. Ronald Jones might have been better in college, but that was a long time ago, man. Ronald Jones certainly isn't better at catching the ball. He's certainly not better at pass protection. Keyshawn Vaughn in 2020 is going to be a good – I think, you know, be an RB2. It's going to be an RB2. Maybe – in the next draft, though, maybe in 2021, Tampa Bay, they, they take, um, you know, Travis Etienne or somebody like that, and that kills his value. But I think at least for one year, Keyshawn's going to be pretty good. Well, a lot of these running backs are always going to be up for that that scenario where the team takes another higher running back because they don't want to pay him. It's, right. It's cheap to get production out of rookie contract running backs. And NFL teams are catching on to that. You see that happening, like, year, year in and year out, and it's pushing it even further. So he's, he's one that, that I, I definitely do 
definitely do struggle with. And it's also like him versus like AJ Dillon is always a, a, a you know, just my, my mind butting heads because I want the second round draft capital, even though it's towards the end of it. And I just love AJ Dillon. I just have like a weird, weird obsession with him. He's blocked me on Twitter because I kept sending him pictures of myself <laughs> in this tank top, but no, I'm, I'm kidding. But, uh, so, but, no, not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's where, where I kind of sit. I just can't, I can't, I just can't fully buy into it yet. And I, I probably need to more and lean into that. that it's going to be better than what my current uh, process is with Keyshawn Vaughn. I, I mean, I'm not getting him in too many places because there's always someone that drafts him higher than I would because I, I still want to take a guy like Justin Jefferson over Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, and, and yeah, I like AJ Dillon more than Keyshawn Vaughn as well. Um, but I, I, I just think the the hate is just is just gone overboard with, with him, and, and just the the whole Ronald Jones thing. It's over for Ronald Jones. I'm sorry, everybody. It's over. And maybe I'll have to eat those words. And I and I, I I've I've got Ronald Jones on plenty of rosters, and I can't trade the guy. So I hope I am wrong about that one. But. Oh yeah, he's one of those stuck assets. Like yeah. You're not making a deal centered around Ronald Jones for anything valuable. <laughs> Maybe in a, of, it, yeah, it's just throwing, but yeah, going yeah, back to your you, thing. You could be like what, somebody that tips the scales and potentially whatever trade calculator somebody's using, like his four points in that trade calculator can move him <laughs> over that edge, uh, right. or you know, or whatever you're using. So I do think he has he has value in that sense. But like again, it's one of those assets where you're better off just holding him, but you're stuck in the mud because like. If, you, if he's the over-the-top asset in a deal that's relatively fair, now you're losing that on any sort of upside. And I agree that Ronald Jones isn't going to be a thing, but that, like, 5% chance that he is is, is worth having versus not. Like, he's, he's, not drop, he's, not, he's not droppable. Right. So he's just clogging it up. He's, he's probably like, worth the roster spot over Jimmy Graham or Max Williams or John Brown. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Maybe not, not JB. Those other two. Oh, Ryan. Oh, Ryan. Bite your own tongue. Um. Uh, so Jared, Jared Stidham's been another very interesting dynasty candidate without it, a very strong take. But if he yeah. comes out as the Patriots starter this year, uh, I wish I had Jared Stidham more places where I could sell him in that scenario. Oh, I, yeah, I, I, I don't. No there's anywhere. no way that he's a long-term starter there, right? I don't think so. I mean, but we'll see if, if, if there's any place it could work, it's, it's new England. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they have Brian Hoyer back there too. So they have a nice game manager, some guy who's not going to go out there and just blow it. Yeah. I can't wait to see what new England is like this year. I, I mean, th- those are the two best storylines I think going into 2020 is what, new England Patriots. I mean, can they compete for that AFC East title? With, I mean, they still have a, they'll have a strong defense. So, can they put it together enough offense to to be better than you know Buffalo and the Sunday Miami team? Um, we'll, we'll see. The, and the Jets, I didn't mention because I don't think the Jets can contend, but I guess they could. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think we forget that Sam Darnold missed a lot of last year, and then when he came back towards the end of the year, he he was putting up some decent numbers. So maybe the Jets are better than we think. We'll we'll see. Yeah, well, he had four weeks out, right, with mono. And then when you're coming back from mono, it's not like you're in tip-top shape. Your body has atrophied because with you, when you have mono, you can't do anything. So I, 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 the thing is, though, Ryan, if the Jets do better, that means Adam Gase and Dow Loggins stay in that offense, and that sucks long-term. That is a doomed-to-fail structure of an organization. Dow Loggins' track record is one of the worst – ever and i'm not just saying this is like that bears narrative but it goes on and on yeah you cannot that's that's what kills me about the jets because they have like even denzel mims the guy that i'm not as high on i you still have to love his upside right like i love his upside yeah Uh, Le'Veon bell averaged under four yards carry in this offense last year and this is supposed to be people that are going to turn around that jets organization so i want them to be bad like i want them to be bad as a team that offense can be good but they need to lose a whole mess of games and they need to change coaching regimes. They need to get younger and innovative, more innovative. Maybe not younger, but more innovative. Like, like let Eric the go there from Kansas city after this next year, let's get into that like type of hype train and let's have that vault that offense up. So moving into this year, I worry about their fantasy production for 2020, but long-term I love the upside of Sam Darnold and what he can do with that offense. 
as soon as they get rid of that, that coaching. Like that is one of the quintessential coaching schemes that when you go to a coaching narrative is just terrible, 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 terrible. <laughs> and we have evidence of that too, where we've seen guys that weren't doing anything in Miami have, have moved on and, and suddenly like the Kenyon Drakes of the world, they're just putting up these huge numbers. So uh, Devontae Parker as well, when, when he was paired with a better coaching situation. Uh, so, well, I'm, I'm about out of gas here. The, the whole yeah, Keyshawn too. Vaughn, Ronald Jones thing, man, just got me, uh, got me fired up and, and now I'm just spent. So any final guys you want to mention, it's a two minute warning, any final players you want to mention you're higher and lower on the consensus or final thoughts you want to give tonight? Uh, overall, I think I'm lower than consensus on Allen Robinson's future. Okay. That's interesting. I still, I still really like him. Uh, I think he's a fine dynasty asset. I just think we are, we're vaulting him up into this top 10 dynasty wide receiver. And I think it's, <clears throat> you're, you're just, you're just paying peak prices now. And he, he, he could produce, I think that that Chicago offense last year was more, based around not having good pass catchers available. And that's why he really succeeded. And it was also, he was just over a thousand yards. What do you have? Eight touchdowns. So he was bolstered by a few other things and some other wide receiver injuries. When you look at overall points, I think that Allen Robinson will just, <clears throat> he's a, he's a, a great starter. He's going to be week in, week out starter for your lineup, but I just don't want to pay the, the price that he's going at right now. The, the thing I like about Allen Robinson, just to kind of play the counter argument here is uh, well you know first of all he, he's going to be he'll be 20 he'll turn 27 this summer so he's he's right there in kind of his prime uh so still has i think several good years left um he was number three in targets in the nfl in 2019 and, and i do think that probably happens in 2020 because you know who do they have in chicago i mean i, I think he's clearly the alpha dog the guy that not only if, if trubisky starts he's going to look to again um, I mean, Sherbisky was like forcing the ball into Allen Robinson. And maybe that's an argument against Allen Robinson that Nick Foles is there. Nick Foles will distribute the ball a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think he's the guy. And I know I talked about Jimmy Graham, and I'm optimistic about him somewhat. But uh, still, you know, you get Tariq Cohen. Yeah, he'll get some targets. But, he, like, Allen Robinson is the guy there, and he's very talented. So um, I, I, maybe I'm not a guy I want to go out and, and pay for, but he's, he's a firm hold for me. Um, but, but, yeah, it's interesting that – he was kind of a guy going into last year that people had just kind of dismissed. Right. And then he has this big year and now people are kind of back on him, which is, which is, it's always interesting when that happens. Yeah. His, his price is just rising to that point where it's like, it's fair value and it just makes it not as fun. I scooped him up in a lot of redraft leagues last year, which was a really fun, like that actually worked out really well because he had no value coming into that. Basically like we're yeah. talking at a $200 auction, like five to $10, you know, that was, those one of my like value plays if I was going to running back early. Yeah, I think one thing I'll say, and maybe this is more of like a redrafty thing to say, but I think it applies to Dynasty too. You know, there there are several running backs that we've we've really soured on that, uh, and some of them are older, some of them are younger that are going to get quite a bit of volume. They're going to get a lot of touches. I, I think in twenty twenty that I think are guys that are worth you know to to consider investing in, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell is right there at the top of that list. He's old, but everyone hates Le'Veon Bell. So I think you can get a deal on him. Um, he's, he's probably going to be a high end running back two for you. You're not going to like it um, necessarily, but <laughs> he's going to produce for you. He's going to be You're a guy. Smell you smell some sulfur when you make that deal. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I think two other guys like that, I think David Montgomery, I don't like David Montgomery. I, I'll be honest. I, I, but oh, I still do, I, but it's take lock. It's my own fault. But he's, but he's probably going to get, you know, 200 plus carries in Chicago. I mean, they're not going to, in terms of who's going to be carrying the ball. I think it's his targets are, are limited the passing game because of Cohen being there, but he'll carry the ball 200 plus times. And another guy that's going to do that is Sonny Michelle, um, the same thing yeah. in New England, you know? So those are guys that we, people have totally gotten sour on and I think you can get deals on them. And, and, and Sonny Michelle and David Montgomery are at least younger. So I think if you need, you need help at running back and you can't get one of the, elite guys or one of the younger guys come to the league. I think you can do worse than picking up those guys and having them be your, your running back too, because they're, they're going to, they're going to put up some numbers for you just because they're going to get the touches. So yeah, I'd also, I'd also like to stack Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. 
Yeah, me too. I think I like those that. are pretty cheap acquirable assets where you don't have to pay a lot and you can move kind of some of those guys that are stuck uh, in, into getting that. Because again, 32 teams, right? You want to own the backfields of every team you possibly can. I, ideally, you want the, the starters on these 32 teams to plug into your lineup weekly, uh, whether it's in the running back spot or a flex spot, depending on how deep your rosters are. And I think those two guys are still not valued at what they should be moving into next year. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. So I, I think that's something to look at, you know, look, look at, look at carries, look at targets. I mean, you can make an argument, although they, I think he's expensive to acquire because I think Kareem Hunt, people are looking past this year and think that maybe he gets a starter role someplace. But you know, if you, if you extrapolate those eight games to 16, which is always dangerous, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's like, you know, the number seven running back in terms of targets he would have been last year. So um, yeah, I, it's, sometimes Maybe that's not the best example, but sometimes these are, certain guys will get volume, and it's worth having them on your roster just because they're going to get the the touches and volume. So, yeah. anyway, well, um, I think that's all we got for tonight. So, um, I think this is a good show, and and I want to tell our listeners to, of course, go to Twitter and follow us. Will, what's your Twitter handle? Fantasy Joe underscore Will, and I am at Roto Librarian. We're also at FF Joe's. That's the Fantasy Joe's Twitter handle. You can support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash fantasyjoes. Uh, with that, on behalf of Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood, and we are the Fantasy Joes. Fantasy Joes. Fantasy Joes. We're the Fantasy Joes. <laughs>